Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Glenn from the On Education Podcast. And we're part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Today, I'm catching up with Mark C. Perna. He's the author of Answering Why, Unleashing Passion, Purpose, and Performance in Younger Generations. Yeah, you're going to love this one. I just decided to reach back out to him because the last time we talked to him was, oh, about nine, ten months ago. That's right. So we're going to find out a little bit about the book launch, and we're going to learn a little bit about, uh, a little more about Answering Why and what, what's going on there. Thanks for listening. Lots to learn today. Enjoy. <laughs> You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Mark C. Perna is the founder and CEO of TFS Schools Tools for Schools in Cleveland, Ohio, a full-service strategic consulting firm whose mission is to share and support every client's passion for making a difference. As an international expert on generations Y and Z, Mark has devoted his career to empowering educators and employers to unleash the tremendous potential of today's young people, both in the classroom and on the job. After successfully parenting two millennials as a single father, Mark has become a passionate advocate for bridging the generational divides that are contributing to America's profound skills gap. Parents, schools, districts, businesses, and state organizations across North America have successfully used Mark's insights and strategies to connect more effectively with the younger generations. Mark is frequently cited as a national expert in education enrollment, retention, and performance. Answering Why, Unleashing Passion, Purpose, and Performance in Younger Generations is Mark's first book. And it was written to help educators, employers, and parents understand generations Y and Z and inspire them to greater performance in all areas of life. Mark enjoys inspirational movies, theater, travel, golf, and time with his family, especially his granddaughters. He's from Cleveland, Ohio. And Mark, say hi to everyone. Steve, hello to you. Hello to everybody out there. It's such an honor to be back with you. Glad to have you here. It's, it's pretty cool because I can't, I don't have no clue where the time goes, but the last time we talked was September of 2018. And I think the show actually aired in uh, October of 2018. And so kind of wanted to catch up with you because then you're, everything was new and you're out there launching your book and you're seeing the world. And uh, so what I wanted to do is just kind of, um, you know, How's it, how did your book launch go? How's it been going since September? You know, it's a, thank you for asking. Um, you're very gracious and uh, it's been wonderful. Uh, you know, it, it, when you, you know, for anyone who's ever written anything like this, you know, and I, I assume it could be anything from a dissertation to a book to articles or whatever, you know, you put a lot of time, you put a lot of effort, you know, you put a little blood, sweat and tears into it. And then at the end, at least this was for me, and I've written articles on national publications, same thing, but the book would like, was like a hyperdrive of this, is you think to yourself, will anybody really care? You know, is it very good? Is it going anywhere? And, um, and, and then, you know, you get a publisher and it starts to work out. But so let me tell you just a, in a kind of quick encapsulation, kind of what's happened since you asked. Um, so it's been in 179 airport stores, 225 Barnes and Nobles. It's been, uh, in four countries being negotiated for rights in China currently. Um, it has uh, sold remarkably well. It's hit number one bestseller status in every single category that it's in. And 
in the last three months has won seven national book awards in five different categories. Uh, and that is remarkably rewarding uh, for me to share because, um, you know, most books are in a single category, but it has won in education, career, parenting, relationships, business, uh, and I'm missing one. Uh, I think the other one was communications. So I mean, I, it just honored, uh, humbled, um, but it's, it's nice that, uh, that the, the messages uh, are resonating and the reviews have been outstanding and I, I couldn't ask for anything more. Um, I, the, but the downside to all of this is it has put tremendous pressure on me now that I'm going to have to go through this process again and probably come up with a second book. So, <laughs> so that's right. the, that's the, and, and if that's the downside, I'm very grateful for those kinds of downsides. So. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good downside to have. That's awesome. Congratulations on all the, on all the good stuff happening there. So did, did you, you. Uh, travel a lot of places during the, during, during the launch or did you uh, kind of? Yeah, you know, I was, uh, you know, so I speak all over uh, North America and, uh, and so I, I was doing, you know, between 40 and 50 keynote speeches a year. I think this year it'll be well above 70 keynote, seven zero keynote speeches um, and they keep coming in and I'm very grateful for that. Uh, audiences have been wonderful and, and gracious and, and generous with their time and, and their applause. And, and so I, I'm just, I'm thrilled that the, that the message is resonating and, and people are, are really changing the way they interact with the younger generation. So they're connecting at a deeper level uh, and they're, you know, they're taking their uh, engagement and the performance of, of people uh, in the Y generation uh, to the next level. So I'm, I'm thrilled. That's awesome. The, uh, you I can't, first of all, and I can't imagine, you know, 70 keynotes. Oh my gosh, man. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, yeah, if you look on, actually, if you look on my website, I think there's 45 of them listed there right now. And that is so, yeah, it doesn't include the 20 some that I just finished, you know, in the, the months closing out this particular school year, uh, heading into this next school year. And, you know, I, I'm all over the country. I've, I've got an entire 10 day trip planned to Hawaii where I'm going to be bouncing me from, from island to island to hit community colleges and K-12 districts. And, and that's just a small part of the story. So pretty Excellent. remarkable. Excellent. The, so during these travels since September, have you had something really memorable? Just, just you know, it's, it's really cool to think about that happened along the way. Anything that just kind of sticks out? You know, there's been I, so many. There's there's no one, um, Steve. It's a great question, uh, but I don't. There's no one that pops into my head because each one has been an adventure. Each one has been interesting. The audiences are all a little bit differently, are different. Um, you know, so you know, college level, high school level, middle school, elementary, um, you know, K twelve. Uh, what I'm what I'm finding though is and and what is so. Um, uh, satisfying today is that, you know, I'm, I'm starting to do more and more uh, speeches to multiple districts getting together, you know, it's like, so for instance, I'm, I'm doing one in uh, Phoenix with, you know, 4,000 people. I've got one in Michigan for 3,000 people. The one in Michigan is seven different school districts all getting together to do a common convocation uh, in an, in a region. And, uh, and I'm the keynote speaker for that to, to bring everybody together. So, uh, those kinds of things, I, I love when educators uh, can work closely together. So. Oh, that's awesome. So good stuff. I mean, you just got, uh, just got everything happening and it's, and, and, you know, answering why is just an incredible book. And one of the things I want to do is kind of get people back into it now. So can we, let's start first by talking about what, 
What is the Y generation? So the Y generation, or what I, you know, to spell it, W-H-Y generation, I, you know, I call them the Y generation because they need an answer for that question for everything they do. Um, if there is no answer to, to the Y, there's no purpose, there's no reason for them to, you know, to have any kind of performance or walk down what I call the light at the end of their tunnel. And so to define them just in age, um, the Y generation is two generations. It's the, uh, it's the Generation Y millennials and the Generation uh, Z coming up right behind them. So Generation Z goes from fetus to now 18 uh, years old, and Generation Y millennials go from 19 to 39 years old. And so when I refer to the Y generation, you refer to the Y generation, it's anyone 39 or younger. See, a lot of people think it's high school and middle school kids. It's like, no, they walk amongst us, Steve. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're, they're part of, you know, it's not just uh, our students. It's our students, our sons, our daughters, our nieces, our nephews, our peers, our colleagues. It's the people at the bank and at Walmart. So we're, we're all dealing with, you know, the YWHY generation and everything we do. Excellent. And, and I want to use that to lead us into something that you talk about, which is you, you talk about the national skills gap. And uh, can you just tell us a little bit about uh, what your message is there and what that is? Yeah, I'm really trying to connect several dots along the way in what I'm doing and, and what I did in, in the book Answering Why is that, um, so we've got this tremendous skills. The skills gap's e easiest to describe this way. There are millions of people who are out of work, but there are millions of jobs that are open. The people who are out of work can't do the jobs that are open. And the jobs that are open are an astounding 6.7 million currently right now in this country. It's grown 19 straight years in a row. And these are in high demand, high wage industries like aerospace and aviation and construction and manufacturing and healthcare and transportation and all of these others um, that can't find the quality uh, workforce that they're looking for because the people are out there just aren't inter either interested or they simply don't know about all of the things that are possible. And this skills gap is what's really crushing to our economy in all 50 states. And so uh, I'm, right, I'm kind of on a stump to, uh, to, to lower that, to change the way people think about uh, young people, what's possible, what careers and occupations are, are available out there, how they can afford the education that they want to pursue, uh, and making sure that they do that with purpose in, everything, in any way possible. Excellent. I appreciate you doing that. You know, part of what you, you get into is that there's a skills gap, and then there's, there's also kind of like this generational issue that's happening. You call it a generational rift. And uh, there's kind of understanding uh, or misunderstandings between uh, the uh, CEOs and the hiring managers and such. And you actually say, uh, um, you, you talk about how CEOs and hiring managers have this misunderstanding that uh, in order to get the younger generation motivated, they have to kiss their butts. Can you talk about that? Yeah, you know, I because I've I've had people say this to me. I've had you know I've had CEOs. I've had I had a president of a company which just pops into my head. I was having lunch. This is oh maybe eighteen nineteen months ago. It was it was a while. It might even be two years ago now. And uh, and we were having lunch and and he and we were talking very candidly about this topic. And he goes he goes you know I feel like you know anymore we just have to kiss kiss the butts of our employees. And I said well why why do you think you have to do that? Um, and he's like well you know everything you read you know you know you look at uh, Google and you look at, you know, all these companies that are doing all, you know, sleep pods at work and, you know, bring your dog to work and everything else. And I said, I said, well, you're, I said, you're fighting on the wrong field. And he's a man, he was a large manufacturing company. I said, you're fighting on the wrong field. I said, the field you're trying to fight on, you can't win. 
I said, because are you going to allow people to bring their dogs to work? Are you going to allow people to have sleep pods? Are you going to allow people? And he goes, no, he says, we can't do any of that. So then you can't fight on that field. I said, the field you can fight on is the field of purpose, the field of vision. What you can fight on is creating and connecting the dots between your employees and where you're going as a company, as long as where you're going isn't simply to make money and for shareholder value. I said, because, uh, you know, to give you a great example of this, Steve, is uh, Deloitte did a, a survey about you know, 18, 19 months ago. I don't remember the exact time, but it was a year and a half to two years ago. And, um, and what, they said, what they said was astonishing to me is they came out and they said that 60, and they did a survey of, of all these millennials in the workforce, which is the largest uh, part of the workforce today is, is millennials. And um, they said 68% of female millennials and 64% of male millennials, which is two thirds of that largest working generation right now, plan to leave their current job in the next three years. This is a cataclysmic shift in workforce development in this country. The number one reason given is, is astounding to me. And the number one reason given had nothing to do with boredom, had nothing to do with sleep pods, had nothing to do with, uh, with bringing your dog to work. What it had to do with was this, is that they no longer want to work in an organization where pursuit of the almighty dollar is the only outcome. They want to work in an organization that gives back. They want to work in an organization that has purpose. They want to work in an organization where the pride of their contribution will actually add to the greater good. And that's what they're looking for. And so what this means to the workforce over the next decade is that business and industry in this country at every level will struggle to create vision and purpose that far exceeds shareholder value and simply making money. That's, you know, that's, a, it's amazing because there's a, there's a lot of this just total misunderstanding of young people, period. I, you know, one of the things I drives me nuts, I get, get tired of hearing, you know, just generational blah, blah, where, you know, we've got a, in my day, we could have done this, we could have done that. And it's funny because you know, we all have our differences and such, but it, it is interesting to hear, um, this idea that, uh, you know, that CEOs can, you know, you don't have to kiss their butts. You don't have to, you know, this is a group that will do. They just, they want to have uh, a role in doing something worthwhile, right? I mean, that's interesting. Well, you, you, you know, you're right on. And, and so, you know, for those that, that have not read the book and those who, have, who don't know me or heard me speak or heard you, you and I uh, previously, um, I, I want to go back to the foundational principle that I have in everything that I've done, which is that I go completely the opposite way of everyone else who speaks about the younger generations. Most people think that they're lazy, they're entitled, and they're, they're, you know, they're this, they're that. I go completely the other way. I think they're the most incredible generations to come down the pike. I think they're the most intelligent, resourceful, pitbull-like generations that we've ever seen. When they see a want to in their life, something they truly want, they'll move heaven and earth to get to that want to. Uh, our challenge as parents, educators, and employers is getting them to want something. But once they want something, they will move to get there. And I tell audiences this all the time. There are two ways to look at young people today. You can either look at them as a challenge to be solved, or you can look at them as a tremendous resource to be unleashed within your home, your classroom, or are in the workforce. And if you look at them the second way as a tremendous resource, all you need to understand at that point is what makes them tick, what are they thinking? Why are they thinking it? What issues and challenges are, are they dealing with on a daily basis? And then understand how you reach them, how you turn respect around, how do you connect and engage them in a way that makes complete sense? And that's why I wrote Answering Why as kind of the guidebook, if you will, so that uh, educators, you know, particularly, but uh, also workforce development executives and parents had a way to see 
kind of look through the looking glass in another direction in, in, with some very easy strategies um, that, that are working across the country. Love it, love it. Just, and it's so right on the money. It, it, it's engaging the way you write is very, you want to you keep reading. And I, and I love that too. I got to make sure I say that. It's, you want to you spend you. time following, following your, your thoughts. And I, and I think it's uh, just uh, good stuff. And one of the things that I want to make sure that I, I point out here is that you do get into this, this little section where you say that failure is essential to effective learning. Why do you think this? Because everything I've ever done in my life that I've learned from, I failed first. <laughs> I mean, um, it's just personal experience. You know, um, I, you and I did not talk about this, uh, you know, back in September when we, when we first met. And, um, and, and, I, and I share it now because it's become a much larger part of what I do every day. Um, is that, you know, back in 1996, I had the worst year of my life. You know, I... I I filed bankruptcy due to a failed business venture. Um, I, you know, I became a, a single dad with two kids, nine and seven years old. I went through a divorce in 1996. I weighed over 400 pounds. Uh, you know, I was, life was not good in 1996. And all of that turned around because I, I created, some just some, some simple perspectives in my life where I knew I had to focus, plan, and take action. And that made all the difference in the world. And, you know, here I am 23 years later, and I'm an international thought leader, and I, you know, I'm doing over 70 keynote speeches a year. Some of these things we talked about earlier, you know, I've got a best-selling award-winning book. I've got all of these things happened as a result of the failures. None of them happened as a result of successes. They all came because at moments when I failed, um, I turn things around and young people today, I don't think are allowed to fail enough. We have created a culture where almost failure is, um, is unacceptable where failure is, is, is a failure in and of itself. And I think that's a, that's a mistake to some degree. And, you know, I, I think we need to allow young people to fail. I think they need to start walking down certain roads and if they don't work out, that's okay. You change direction, you adjust, you adapt. Um, to me, the goal of education is an education itself. The goal of education is to create people who are self-reliant and independent and critical thinkers. And at the end of the day, that needs to be the goal. I love that. That is so on the money. And, the, and, the, and um, that's why I want to make sure we had a chance to talk about this, this go around, because it's, it is something that is so important to what you talk about, as well as something that we see. I mean, when you don't have the chance to uh, fail, almost like, you know, I saw a TV show once where the, the parents actually put the kid inside and, you know, they duct taped all kinds of bubble <laughs> wrap to him and stuff like this. And, and, you know, it was funny they were making fun of something, but at the same time, it's it's almost like that's what's supposed to happen, um, is that they you know they can't fall down and go boom and get a boo boo, and they uh, and and I'm not really making light of it because it's it gets to the point where you know that is how we learn. I mean, you you've had, you share your own personal experiences, and and you know if we if we learn from it, we don't repeat the same same mistakes or whatever it was that happened when you were growing up Stephen, how, how did how did you know something was hot you touched it it was hot you recoiled you went holy cow that's hot i'm like you, you touched it differently in the future right you you, you got that right to see if it was on before you touched it you know we've all done it we've all made the and, and you know that's the rudimentary foundational principle there is that you know if you experience it and it goes wrong you learn from that 
you know, I had a failed business. If I would have looked at that business as my one shot, my only time, I wouldn't have a successful business now where I've got, you know, I don't know, roughly 20, 22 people who support what I do across the United States and, and, and Canada and North America here. And I'm like, and I have all of these things going on because I have failed upon failed. And, and I, you know, I wrote an article in a blog just recently. I can't remember the exact title, but it was something like how to fail miserably and wind up on top. That's me. Nice. That's what I did. That's awesome. The, uh, you know, and it's, it, it's good that, it, you know, staying persistent, I'm sure has a lot to do with it, but being able to figure out how to recover from whatever it was that happened is such a huge lesson. And I, I think that's an, such an important part of what you talk about in your book. The, uh, you know, one of the things that you, you get into is you talk, you, as you're getting into careers and career paths and so forth, you talk about career trees. Can you just explain a little bit about what you mean there? And, and you actually get into the, uh, some examples of real Sure. And, and uh, you know, and I speak about it late in the later chapter of the book, and I use it as an underpinning of a concepts, you know, again, trying to connect dots, you know, we've got, you know, here we have this huge skills gap, 6.7 million jobs that are, are open out there and available, you know, some requiring a four year degree, some a two year associates degree, some maybe an apprenticeship or certifications or licensures, but there's lots of different ways to get people where they want to go in this world. And, and uh, you know, and so one of the things that I tackle with the career tree, um, I came up with this concept concept uh, now, I guess it's almost six years ago, was how do we describe to, you know, middle school and high school kids what's possible and what kind of education do they need? You know, I'm a tremendous fan of a four-year degree and beyond in this country and going to a university, um, but not everyone needs to go there. Um, not everyone needs to do career exploration at the most expensive time in their life. They could do it at the least expensive time in their life, which is high school. Do they, they need to figure out what they're going to do for the rest of their life in high school? No, none of us did that. None of us knew we were going to wind up exactly where we are. No, we, we've, we've gone through these serpentine kind of routes to get where we're going. And so young people today need to have some kind of a, a way to, to look at all the careers and occupations that are possible and then go get the education that you need in order to pursue the thing that you want to pursue. If you need a four-year degree or beyond to do something, then by all means, invest wisely, go with passion, go with purpose, but make sure you get it done. And in this country, unfortunately, a lot of kids aren't getting it done. They go, they spend the money, they get into serious debt, and they're not finding the solutions to their, you know, to what they want to do. Um, so I, I, the career tree was merely a way to create a visual for kids. It comes, you know, if you can imagine one of those majestic oak trees, it comes, you know, with the, the, the trunk of the tree is any program or pathway and the, you know, the, the splitting up the branch system into, into threes, you know, horizontally, the lower third of the tree are all those careers and occupations that are possible as soon as you, you know, uh, get uh, done with the program or pathway that you're taking in your, in the education, uh, the middle of the tree, you just need additional education or experience to unlock that area. And at the top of the tree are the professional careers. And those are unlocked when you again, get further education or experience. Maybe it's a four year degree. Maybe it's a master's, a PhD, MD, JD, whatever it is. And so the career tree is just a way to tell the story to young people about what's possible and how they can ex access it. Uh, by getting the kind of education or experience they need in order to unlock whatever it is they want to do. And it can be anything. Um, you know, uh, let me just quickly say this. You know, I, I was invited to speak at Harvard several years ago. And one of the things that I, I told that audience of, you know, governors and lieutenant governors and K-12 statewide superintendents and chancellors of community college systems and Fortune 100 top executives was this. I said, we have this notion in this country that we're going to make kids college and career ready which on the surface sounds great. I mean, who would be against that, right? I think that sounds great. We're going to make them college and career ready. 
beautiful. The problem is, is that no one in this country, including parents, read the word and in between the word college and the word career. They read it as a pathway. Well, we're going to make them college first, then career ready. And it's like, so we're telling everyone that the only way to be successful is to go to college first. And that's just not true. There may have been a time in this country where that was largely true, but it's not necessarily true anymore. It's not necessarily untrue, but it's not necessarily true either. And so I spoke about the notion that we shouldn't be making kids college and career ready in this country. We should be making them career ready, period. Sure, all kinds go through four-year degrees and beyond, but all kinds of great careers go through two-year associate's degrees and community colleges and technical colleges. A whole bunch of careers go through certifications and licensures. And, and, there, and then so we should be advocating all of these things to young people today so that they choose the best path for them based on their own unique interests, talents, and abilities. So it's a simple desire of mine, Stephen, but that's what I'm trying to change across the country. Oh, that's awesome. It's, it's, and it's so right on the money. I mean, it's just... We have a friend who recently discovered that uh, um, he could, if he wanted, because he got a little bit of experience with uh, doing a little bit of tap welding, that he was able to get a, he, he could almost go anywhere he wanted to, to get a job where they taught you how to do much higher levels of welding. And now he's like, in, you know, he's got this great demand for him going on right now, which he's not so sure this is what he wants to do <laughs> from here on out. But he's uh, learning. But it doesn't matter. But it's a stop on the path. You know, right. it's a, he's making a for now decision. And I, so I talk a lot about this now. And this, is, this wasn't in the book. This is actually things I've come up with since. Um, is, is I call it the for now decision. See, young people today will, will look like deer in the headlights if you ask most of them today, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do? What, you know, like what, you know, if you ask any kid in high school, you know, some have an inkling, but most do not. And if you ask them, what do they want to do? They say, I want to go to college. Well, what do you want to do there? I have no idea. That's what that you'll hear. And it's like, so my goal now is to truly get people to understand, especially educators, to truly understand that if we can get young people to make a for now decision, in other words, just make a decision for now. You know, it doesn't have to be something you're going to do for the rest of your life. It doesn't have, you I mean, you could change next week, next month, next year, change anytime you want. But what would you do today if you could do it? And, you know, and, and what would you do like to kind of start walking down the path towards something? Because at least if they're moving, they're getting knowledge, they're getting experience, and they're starting to determine and discern maybe whether they should make a course correction. But it's what's happening is, is that we've made it so important for them to make the decision that they're standing completely still and they're not moving forward. And that's, we have far too many young people today who are in that category. I'll give you a great example of this. I'm, uh, I've uh, been working in Davenport, Iowa, and I'm working with the mayor's office and the K-12 school district in Davenport and the Chamber of Commerce and economic development folks. And as part of that, I've, I've, been, uh, I've gotten friendly with some folks at John Deere. And um, they invite me out to this 2.2 million square foot facility, this manufacturing facility that they've got in Davenport, Iowa. It was fabulous. It was a wonderful tour. But on the tour, I met this young woman. She's 24 years old. Her name is Megan. And at 24 years old, this young woman impressed me so much, I asked her the big question I love to ask young people. It's like, how did you get here? What was your path to get to John Deere? And she said, well, she said, you know, in high school, I was doing pretty well academically, but I wanted to learn welding. So Steve, going back to welding, right? So I wanted, so talk about non-traditional too, right? There's a young woman wants to learn welding. So she takes a class, really likes it, takes a second, takes a third. She eventually takes it to capstone. She finishes, she gets her, all her certifications. She graduates from high school, determines that she does not want to go off to college. Instead, she wants to go to work for John Deere as a welder and she gets hired on as a welder. 
She's there for 12 months. She realizes, of course, in all the materials you get from John Deere, that they'll now pay two-thirds of her higher education. So she goes off to get a full four-year degree in a uh, bachelor's degree in business. John Deere pays two-thirds of it. She pays the other third, but she's a welder, so she's making great money. So she graduates. At the age of 24, she's got all her academic knowledge, her technical and professional skills. She's making uh, great income. She has a four-year degree in business, no debt, and uh, she's now gone from an hourly worker to a, a uh, salaried worker on their fast-track management program. She is leap years ahead of students who went off to college and who graduated who are now just starting their careers. She's headlong into it, and she found an unconventional way to get there that thousands and thousands of other kids are doing too. So there are lots of ways to get where people are going. We need to stop advocating for just one. We need to advocate for all. That's awesome. And what an incredible story too. That's, that's just, and thank you so much for sharing that. It's uh, just, you know, it, it's what a great example of the, the different alternatives that are out there and to be able to get them to pay for your college. My gosh. You know, no, it's a win, it's a win, win, win. Everybody <laughs> came out ahead. John Deere has an employee that if you cut her open, she will bleed, you know, John Deere green. I, I mean, that's, those are her words. Um, she's all in. She's excited. I asked her what uh, her friends were doing uh, in high school. She still keeps in touch with them because she still lives in the area. And she said, sure. I said, what are, the, what are, they, you know, what are they up to? So, well, most of them went off to college, you know, right out of school, which is what many kids do. I said, where are they at? Uh, you know, as far as you can, you can tell. And she said, well, some of them finished. Um, and there's a couple of them that are working in their fields, but most are working in retail. I said, what about those? Did, any, did anyone not finish college? Yeah, a bunch there, and they're all working in retail. So, the, so most of her friends are working in retail today, which you don't need a four-year degree, depending on what you're doing in retail. You don't need a four-year degree necessarily to do that. Um, and so sometimes students would be better served to learn to do something for now and figure out as you go, where do you want to go, and then invest wisely and passionately in what you want to achieve, then get the education experience that's necessary. Good stuff. And I can't thank you enough for sharing. We're getting ready. We're getting close to closing out. And I so appreciate you, you stopping by and catching us up on where you are and talking a little bit more about answering why your, your book. And as we close out, like you said earlier, you're in, uh, you do a lot of keynote speaking. You do a lot of uh, talking with people in different places. Uh, if they want to add a few more to that 70 and let, let's get you up to the 100. <laughs> uh, what would be the best way to get in contact with you, reach out to you, get a copy of Answering Why? Um, best place would be uh, to go to my website, Steve. Uh, it's at markcperna.com. C is my middle initial, so it's M-A-R-K-C. P-E-R-N-A.com and all the information is up there on where I'm going, what I'm doing. Uh, it's got uh, an event calendar. Uh, it's got uh, the ability to reach out to me and drop me a note and we can set up a phone call and uh, be happy to discuss with anybody, you know, how we help them unleash passion, purpose, and performance in younger generations because I'm, I'm all in. Excellent. I got one last question for you. And um, by the way, before I forget, I want to make sure I tell everybody, I will have a link to his, to his website in the show notes so that it's easy to find. Great. Stop and write it down right now. So just, just know it'll be in the show notes as well. And last question, what advice would you give school principals in helping their students look towards the future? 
Uh, the key is purpose. Um, the key is helping them find some direction, even a for now direction that will allow them to take a step down towards what I call the light at the end of the tunnel, which is what does their potential career or lifestyle look like? So here's what I would suggest is that lifestyle, career and lifestyle are actually working hand in hand with the younger generations. So they, more than half of every decision a young person makes today is based on how it affects their lifestyle. So don't start with career conversations, start with lifestyle conversations and in the classroom and beyond. And the more you get them to discuss lifestyle possibilities, and there's a wide range of possibilities for young people today, because on one side of that spectrum, you, you've got the kid who wants to be a millionaire and have mansions and boats and everything else. And on the other side of that spectrum is potentially a young person who wants two meals a day because they come from a culture or, you know, or someplace of poverty uh, and they're struggling and there's obviously everything in between, but determining what kind of a lifestyle they want and then finding the perfect intersection between that between career and that lifestyle. How can they then get to where they want to go? Because Sometimes we paint young people with the same brush and there are so many different kinds of brushes needed. And, uh, and that's what I'd recommend. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing your advice. Mark, it's been awesome catching up with you. I uh, just want to remind everybody, Mark C. Perna, he's the author of Answering Why, Unleashing Passion, Purpose, and Performance in Younger Generations. And I'll make sure that you get a, a direct link to his website, markcperna.com. And uh, Mark, thank you again for joining us. And, uh, and, uh, Wish the best in your travels and uh, all good things going on for you. Thank you, Steve. Same back to you. It's always a pleasure and always an honor, my friend. Hey, have you got some thoughts, questions, or ideas? I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me through my email at stephenmiletto at gmail.com. Stephen spelled with a V and Mileto is M-I-L-E-T-T-O. And that's at gmail.com. Or if you're in the United States or Canada, you can call my Google voice number at 478-353-5471. Love to hear from you. Thanks. Take care now. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.